Hey everybody, what is up? This is your boy Muggle in Khakis, aka the Podcaster in Chief, coming at you with another Stephen Goes Solo episode. Today I, I got to speak with one of my really good friends, somebody who I work with, somebody who I met uh, last summer out in Arizona, uh, my friend Aaron. Uh, Aaron is somebody who I learned uh, as a pleasant surprise um, is a Harry Potter fan and somebody who not only put up with all of my Harry Potter nonsense around the workplace, but almost encouraged it. So uh, really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Of course, please, please, please don't forget to download, rate, review, subscribe, all of the things for Creating Magic Podcast, wherever you might be enjoying this podcast episode. I'm looking at you, all of my friends from work who are going to listen to this episode because Aaron is on it, Alyssa Simmons, Sam Widman, Logan Williams, to name a few. Smash that download button, smash that subscribe button, help us out here at Creating Magic Podcast. But that's about it. So uh, yeah, Danny, I guess this is where you edit in the conversation now. It has been a while. The people have clamored for it, but Steven Goes Solo is back and at it again. I couldn't be more thrilled today to welcome to the podcast somebody who I almost fired before we even hired her, strictly because she's an Eagles fan. Um, please welcome my coworker, my good friend, um, an Eagles fan, Aaron Beruta. Aaron, what's up? Hey, Stephen. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, it, it's funny. I always think I'm being fun during interviews, but I realize now that like, as like a person applying for an internship, when like the first words out of the interviewer's mouth are, yeah, we're not going to hire you. I can see how that would be a little overwhelming. Yeah. I feel like we need to set the record straight for anyone listening. I was interviewing for my junior summer internship and I hop on, this is my second round. I'm talking to the people that I would be eventually working with. And this guy hops on. And the first question he goes is, oh, you're from the Philly area? You're an Eagles fan? I was like, yes. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, that's this. We don't need to continue the interview. <laughs> I mean, look, look, in my defense, I don't really have too much of one. All I will say is, Interviews too often are way too formal just for formality's sake. Because like, look, we all are real adults who like have like real experience in the workplace. You don't spend every single day and be like, well, hello there, Mr. Hatter. I'm so excited to have this opportunity. Like, no, like you're trying to be real. So I was real and I expressed my full on hatred and disdain for Philadelphia during an interview with a candidate from the Philly area. Um, and for but, the record, he's a Giants fan. <laughs> for the record, I am a fan of a superior team from a superior state, which happens to be New Jersey, not New York. Anywho, anywho, that all brings us to today. Full um, circle. Full circle. You're still here. Look, we haven't fired you yet, so it's good. Um, Aaron, to begin the Harry Potter section of this podcast, do you want to tell us your Hogwarts house and your favorite character, please? Oh, yes. My Hogwarts house. I'm a Gryffindor. Uh, I would say it's basic, but also fitting. So not much I can do about that. My favorite character. This one kind of changes. I've gone through different phases. I'm going to say 
You see, I was laying in bed last night and I was like, I really should start like thinking philosophically about what a potential podcaster could ask me about so I could be prepared to answer just these things. I'm going to say my favorite character is Sirius Black. So my first follow-up then would be why Sirius Black? And I'll leave it there for now. Well, there's a lot of reasons. He's a very hurt character, but he still holds so much of the characteristics and the traits that made him so lovable before he was framed to be so negative. Uh, And I don't know, despite everything that had happened, there's still some warmth to a character that they villainized so much in the beginning. And obviously, you know, that was how they designed for it to be. But I don't know, there's something about his character and his nature and that you can go through what he did and then still be able to be this powerful badass that's really kind and approachable in a weird, quirky, fun way. Which brings me to my second answer, which would have been Luna Lovegood. And I think they kind of have similar traits in a weird way that makes me really enjoy both of them. As you were describing Sirius, it sounded like you were describing me and I was very flattered. (laughs) It was nice, right? Like somewhat misunderstood, but like really powerful, yet kind. Like that was, hey. (laughs) Yes, Stephen, you got me. There it is. Listeners, y'all heard it here. Coworkers, y'all heard it here. Um, Aaron thinks positively of me, which, you know, always good to get some validation. You're not wrong. Talk to us about how and and when Harry Potter first came into your life. Do you have any sort of memories of like the first time you went through the books or the movies? Like what what stands out for you there? Mm -hmm. My cousins were really into the books and I was still relatively young when the books first came out. And I was at an age where I was, you know, I was still reading Junie B. Jones. I wasn't that level of uh, reading hadn't hit there yet. Uh, and I just remember my, my cousins were really into it and they loved it. And the first movie came out and, um, we went and we saw it and my brother's birthday was July 13th. So I don't know if you remember, but all of the movies came out that day. So a tradition our family ended up having was that we'd go to the movie theater every July 13th and we'd see the new Harry Potter. And it was awesome. We were always so excited for it. And I mean, I never went to the midnight premiering, so I guess I, I can't consider myself a real fan, but, <laughs> uh, well, hardcore, I guess, but, uh, I don't know. It was always a family thing. And I would say it, it turned from like, oh yeah, this is fun and exciting to I'm in love with Harry Potter when I was in high school, probably just because I read the, that's when I read all of the books. It was my freshman or sophomore year of high school. I like sat down one summer and I went through all of them and I was like, this is it. <laughs> I love this. And uh, I also think the way the books translated over to cinema was done incredibly well. I mean, obviously there are some things that are missing and, you know, I'm sure there's endless critiques for the way that they did it. That being said, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I thought they did a really good job. And uh, I thought they did a really good job with casting as well. 
I think it just, they did a great job of bringing like things to life and that kind of adds to the magic of it, you know? Uh, I forget where I was, what? Well, so, so, <laughs> oh, look, as anyone who's listened to this podcast can attest to, I often start sentences and don't know how I'm going to end them. And by the time I end them, I don't know how I got there, um, which so that's totally fine. Oh, uh, I got it. How okay. I got into Harry Potter. Uh, and then, so yeah, I just, whenever I was in a bad, like if my, in college, if I was having a bad night, my friends knew it because I was watching Harry Potter with a glass of wine and eating a bunch of snacks. And, but then also like on the nights when I didn't have anything to do and I was like, you know, um, had some free time, like that's also what I would be doing. So it's, I don't know, it's just been like a constant and a staple and something that like is my go-to feel good always, uh, books or movies. So thinking through, as you saw the movies growing up and then as you kind of binged through the books in that, yeah, that middle high school range, what was it about Harry Potter that really captivated you? Like what, what was like, like what did it mean to you then? And now as an, you're an adult, I suppose, like what, what, is there any difference in how you think about the series now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I first watched it, it was just like magic. That's so cool. And it's exciting. And uh, the characters were awesome. And obviously the plot lines, like it was just, I think overall kind of very standardly universally, it's it's an objectively awesome series. And I think it can be appreciated by anyone, whether or not you get really into it. And I think that's kind of how it started off. I just was like, this is really cool. This is awesome. and then, like, I don't really know when the flip switched, but it started, I started, like, noticing on, and picking up on things more, and, like, I would watch it, and, like, just, like, this genuine feeling of happiness would wash over me, and that's so corny, but uh, it, it did, and I, like, I would get really into the characters and I you know you as you grow up and like understand and learn things like for example Professor Snape I was like I don't get how these people are out here riding for Professor Snape the dude sucks he has no redeeming qualities like I don't get it and then you know the older I get the more I watch and pay attention to things and like read the books again there's a lot more subtle nuances that you pick up on and you know they're the characters grow and they change and they they end up meaning different things over time and yeah I just think it's something that I notice something different every time I watch it even still or read it even still to this day so I guess it's kind of ever evolving kind of always changing and you know it it different things come from it depending on what I'm looking for or what I need you know yeah I you know, for me, I, it's funny. I don't necessarily remember like the moment where this thing kind of flipped for me from a series that I loved to like a series that like I'm obsessed with. <laughs> um, I mean, as an adult, like that line demarcation is pretty clear for me. Like when I entered the fan community in mm-hmm. early 2018, like I've talked a ton about that on this podcast, but you know, I, I do remember growing up, it was Mrs. Funk's, I want to say that was 12th grade. 11th oh yeah 11th or 12th grade I forget which year I I had her it must have been 12th um English class 
which was a bizarre fucking class, let me say. Like, she gave us extra credit for when we were reading Siddhartha if we went and took a Bikram yoga class. Um, That's sick. Which was awesome, but, like, just kind of weird from, like, an education standard point of view. Anywho, point is, I do remember writing, like, a paper in high school in that class on, like, the World War II allegories and Harry Potter um, and then, like, when I got to college, I wrote a couple papers on the differing portrayals of feminism in Harry Potter. And, like, I, you know, it, I kind of progressed that way. But I don't, you know, growing up, I wasn't, like, the, and I say this lovingly, all the listeners know that, but, like, I wasn't the Harry Potter freak that, like, most people identify me as today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the World War II allegories that you're referencing, the analogies, rather, that you're referencing, I think people could even draw parallels to, to today. And I, I've, I've read something kind of similar to it in the way media is manipulated, I think is a big theme in Harry Potter throughout the series. And uh, just, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. And education, that's another uh, little box on the checklist, not to make this political, but there are a lot of political themes oh. in, in this series. And look, there's been so many great, look, 2020 and the past four years generally, have been a tumultuous time is how I will phrase that. Mm-hmm. Um, Undeniably, right? Right? It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're sitting on. Tumultuous. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not been a status quo calm time is how I will yes. that. <laughs> um, one of the good, objectively good things to come out of all of this has been the number of Harry Potter gifts where you have like Rick Scott, uh, the senator from Florida as Voldemort. Anytime people compare Mitch McConnell to Dolores Umbridge is just funny to me. Um, <laughs> Trump is Voldemort. <laughs> it's just, look, there's, there are modern day parallels. I'm sure there's a lot of academic ways we can and should talk about them, but I'm going to prefer to stick to the gifts because those are the best. Yeah, that's fair. Ever, there was a ton of Dolores Umbridge stuff going around recently. And mm, I, I don't know what it is entirely but there's something about that one that actress did a phenomenal job in the movies i i genuinely disliked her <laughs> um but oh that dolores umbridge just sends chills up my spine i i don't like i don't like watching the fifth movie for the reason of her character only <laughs> well so so who is who is the scarier villain to you voldemort or dolores umbridge Oh, I mean, they're, they're, I guess it's scarier in the sense of, I don't know, Dolores Umbridge is more of like a, man, a mass manipulator in a way. And I think that's in, in a lot of ways scarier than someone who's very outright and deliberately terrifying. <laughs> who's like, hey, I want to do all these horrible things instead of the ones that are like, I'm going to help you and but secretly destroy you. So in that way, I would say Dolores Umbridge is a scarier character. Uh, that being said, I don't think she's as dangerous as a Voldemort. I guess it depends on how you're defining danger, right? Because I think you're right. Like Well, Voldemort, immediate versus long term. Fair, right? Because Voldemort is very monomaniacal. And as terrifying and as uh, gruesome and horrifying as he can be, he is very kind of a one-trick pony, right? Like, I'm I am pursuing the eradication of all people who don't agree with me. I am after this child so I can become the world's dominant power. That's it. Dolores Umbridge, to your point, is able to kind of subversively sit 
in positions of power behind this veneer of, of well, hell to make it a modern day parallel, law and order, right? And she's anything but, right? She is self as self-serving as the rest of them, but yeah. she's able to hide it. So yeah, it's a different type of danger for sure. Um, well, okay. So you mentioned that you don't like watching the fifth. So this is a nice transition point. Um, talk to me about your favorite movie. And even though it sounds like it was already answered, least favorite movie. This is such a loaded question. I flip flop around favorite movie wise, Prisoner of Azkaban, Half-Blood Prince, and then The Goblet of Fire. Those three are just it depends on the time of year. It depends on my mood. It's, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, re- that's a really hard pick for me. I, th- I feel like consistently I find myself going back to the prisoner of Azkaban. I think that's kind of where a lot of shifts happened in the series and, um, you know, growth in the characters as well as, a, a sort of darkness encroaching in the series that it very subtly took a very strong hold or it, it, it I don't know suddenly but subtly and I, I don't know I thought it was incredibly well produced also it has the introduction of Sirius Black which I I think would make me a little biased in that answer well, yeah. to your to your point about kind of this ominous darkness kind of coming upon the series with Prisoner of Azkaban, do you, and I don't know why you would, do you happen to know the tagline that was on the movie posters for Prisoner of Azkaban? I do not. What was it? Something wicked this way comes. There you go. There you go. Um, what about least favorite? Is it is it um, out of order? Yeah, it's Order of the Phoenix. I mean, oh, yeah. What about on the book side? Favorite book was I would say the final book was my favorite. It wrapped a lot up for me, filled in a lot of like, I I don't know. I felt like I was kind of confused for, I I guess, I don't know. I, I ripped through it and there were a lot of like plot lines and characters I didn't fully understand. Um, and I thought that kind of like cleared a lot up for me. Um, that in combination with feeling like I can't say The Prisoner of Azkaban was also my favorite book and movie. Uh, least favorite book, I will say, was probably The Sorcerer's Stone. It was a little childish, in my opinion. Uh, but I also think that's a place where I can give a lot of credit to the filmmakers and producers in the sense that they took what was written I think very linguistically and grammatically childish and turned it into something uh, a lot more mature and something that I also think kind of sparked uh, a lot of interest and attraction to the series as a whole, especially the books and why people kept reading through them instead of it feeling more like a children's series than, you know, an adult, something that became a huge adult following and you know adult series more generally i'm curious and look if if we don't want to go down this route we certainly don't have to would you say if not now at least growing up you were a a religious person a person who believed in faith Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I went to Catholic school my whole life uh, from kindergarten all the way through till my senior year of high school and went to a, a non-religious college. So, I mean, that dropped off, but yeah, I mean, I grew up very religious. I wouldn't say I incredibly identify um, with the, I mean, I, I grew up Catholic. I didn't, I don't like strongly identify with the Catholic church anymore, but I do consider myself still a very spiritual person um, more generally. Yeah. It's funny. I had on the podcast a handful of months ago now, Zach Dewar from, from our program, um, Zach and his wife, Maddie. And we talked a, a fair bit about the kind of the overarching lessons of Harry Potter and how they may or may not have kind of converged with the teachings of the Mormon church. And I'm curious how how you feel the lessons, because I think one of them, and certainly I'm not smart enough on this topic to, to say this with any real depth, but I've read enough to know that like J.K. Rowling very much um, had a lot of Judeo-Christian kind of underpinnings and, and a lot of allegories and things throughout the writing. I'm curious how you feel, if at all, the lessons that you take from Harry Potter and the lessons of Harry Potter um, uh, align to or don't align to kind of what you took from Catholicism. I mean, yeah, there's, so I, I think more generally, standardly there are messages in it that I think can align to any religion a couple lines that you know I remember from a kid just revolve around you know just being loving and giving and kindness and compassion and caring and I think those themes are recurring there's a line or a verse rather that says love thy neighbor as yourself and I think that's something that's found in the relationship Harry has with the Weasleys and it's a relationship that they take, they take him in because they know he needs to be taken in and ends up becoming kind of a part of their family as a, as a result of it. And I'm trying to think of other themes that I think really identify with Catholicism. Uh, honor and dignity and doing the right thing. I think that's a recurring theme that is prevalent through the entire series I mean I don't really feel like I, I don't I don't even need examples for that just because it, it's that, that's who Harry is he is honor he is dignity and that's what they kind of he exemplifies with the entire series I mean uh he stands up for what's right and he, his friends are all there behind him to do it this good versus evil mantra that is reflected incredibly uh, much so throughout, you know, biblical teachings and Catholic, like Catholicism more generally. I will say there also are probably references to Catholicism in the use of serpents and snakes in the movie, uh, which has been like a demonic reference in not just Catholicism, but in, I think, a vast majority of religions and, you know, she, uh, J.K. Rowling plays on that for sure. Mm. I think that's kind of all I really got for you on the, like, the religious thing. I will say I'm not super into the scriptures or the teachings enough to really get deep into it like I'm sure Zach was. 
but I mean, yeah, overarching, there are themes that also could be considered not necessarily religious of a, a good versus evil, a treat others the way you want to be treated, you know, the golden rule, a bunch of other kind of standard be a good person, check the box marks that are throughout the whole series, you know, uh, being good to people, being honest, being, you know, humble and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, it's all in the interpretation, right? I think like anything in life, it, it, it's there if you want to look for it. It might not be if you choose not to. Um, Touche. Yeah. I have, I, again, I'm not, it's funny. I've now talked with my good friend growing up, who I grew up with at Temple, Amanda Frankel on the podcast about Judaism and its values as they relate to Harry Potter. I've talked with Zach and Maddie about um, about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and how their values relate to Harry Potter. Now I've talked with you about Catholicism. Maybe I'm just interested in religion. I don't... Maybe. I mean, I think... I don't know if this is a, a hot take... But I think more the basis of most religions are generally the same and they hold a lot of found basic foundations to be true that honesty is a virtue and being and kindness is a virtue and pride is a sin and basic social constructs, I think, are found in most religions of what it is to be a good person. And I think that is very much so exemplified in the series. Okay, well, if we haven't put our 13 listeners to sleep yet, let's progress on <laughs> here. Um, it's like get a little exciting. I'm, I'm curious, because you talked earlier about this, and this is something which I love talking about. Um, some of the ways that the books were, um, um, I don't even have the right word, how the books were changed to fit into movies, right? How, how the mm-hmm. books were transposed into movies. Um, you said earlier you thought that they did a really good job. So what do you particularly like about the movies? Like what, what stands out for you from, from the, the visual storytelling of the movies? Well, I don't know. I I feel like they included the really big, important things. Uh, One thing that always sticks out to me is that they didn't include Hermione's activism club for, you know, uh, the house elves. And that was maybe the one thing that really stood out. I don't know why, but it's always stuck in the back of my head as the one thing that they they really didn't put that one in there. Uh, because I also think that one touched on social constructs more than kind of a lot of other themes that the movie held. Uh, so that was one instance where I was kind of like, I feel like that could have been incorporated at least a little bit. Uh, that being said, I, I don't, I don't know. I, a lot of them were just kind of how I imagined they would play out. And it's something that I feel like Actually, if J.K. Rowling ever does listen to this podcast, this could be her million-dollar idea on top of the millions and millions of dollars she already has. <laughs> I don't. I don't think she's going to listen. Not after kind of some of the comments we've had about her over the course of 2020 and previous episodes. But it's a great thought. Touche. Anyway, but I think certain. I think books could be made into like mini series, like long, like one season shows, because. 
I mean, I like the things that they cut out, you, you can't have four hour movies. It's just not something that Hollywood can do. And I think they selectively chose for the majority very well what to include and what not to include. And I do think, I, obviously people get pissed when something's not included in the movie that they were like, oh, I really liked that part or that was cool. Like the way I feel about Hermione's Little Club. But if it were, some, but I understand why it's something that would be cut out because it's kind of complex. There's kind of some plot holes in it in the sense that if you free them, what's going to be the next step? Is that going to change different things? Because if they do, objectively, I think wizards would be screwed and they would take over and just, you know, like be the rulers of the whole magical world. Huge plot hole. <laughs> it would totally change the books. Uh, and I think that could be reason why they kept it out of the movies because they were like, all right, we don't want criticism from our audiences because who wants that <laughs> when you're making and producing a movie, you want it to be successful. You don't want to include things that have necessarily plot holes in them. If they made them into mini series, it could be a very successful, but also beneficial way to, you know, do each book justice while also making, making JK Rowling a little more money. <laughs> oh, I, I one with every fiber of my being, I believe that we will see within the next decade a game of thrones style series on hbo max for harry potter um, I'm absolutely, absolutely i'm already excited for it yeah like uh, undeniably excited for it do i want to pay for hbo max not necessarily but whatever um <laughs> you would do it though a hundred percent right <laughs> let's just be real about it um i want to talk now about some of the acting and the character choices so who would you say is your favorite acted like favorite acting performance throughout the series and then as a follow-up if there is a difference between the two who would you say is the most accurate to like the the vision you had in your head from the books in terms of how they portrayed the character easily bellatrix lestrange she did a phenomenal job. She had the look, she had the the laugh, her voice, everything about her was just so phenomenally done. She had, she just, she had it. She had everything that that character needed. She looked exactly like I, how I thought she was going to look. She had the exact personality. Just overall phenomenal job, great actress as well. Uh, that one was just sorry, Stephen. I wish I could give you more, but it's no, it's no, no, no. Look, easy <laughs> response from me. A couple of things I'll say um, are: I definitely look. Uh, I guess when when did she first appear on screen? That would have been the breakout during Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. So how old? Uh, was it Order of the Phoenix? Yeah, because yes, yes it was. It yeah. was. So when did that movie come out? Let's see here. Uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I was in like like seventh, eighth grade. I definitely had my sexual awakening to Helena Bottom Carter as Bellatrix <laughs> Lestrange. Holy shit. <laughs> and the craziest part about this is I read somewhere, and I don't remember where, so I have no idea if this is accurate, but I read somewhere that they had to tell her to like tone it down a little bit. I'm sure. She Which, 
But like, she puts me out, but like in such a good way. But like, how could she tone down from where she already came on the screen? She's, <laughs> oh my, she is my type of insane and I'm here for it. I love that. The other thing <laughs> I will say is I am currently watching uh, the newest season of The Crown on Netflix, season four. Mm-hmm. Um, as you well know, because I've sent you about 13,000 Snapchats of me watching. Um, <laughs> Helena, Helena Bottom Carter for the past two seasons has portrayed Princess Margaret, uh, sister to the queen which incredible headcanon of Bellatrix Lestrange being part of the royal family. Very true. I didn't even think of that. I, I will say I, I, I stopped kind of partially away through the crown. I, I, mean, started, I started at the same time I started watching Ozark and Ozark fully consumed me and I got, I got off track. Look, the crown is not what I would describe as an exciting show just based on the plot. Right, like the story of Elizabeth as queen and and just the 50 whatever years of her reign, it's not something that's thrilling, right? It's exciting for people who are interested in the monarchy and love seeing what they imagine the behind the scenes stories to be and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like like seeing seeing uh, Princess Diana, the Princess of Wales, Lady Diana Spencer on my screen this weekend has been incredible. I've loved that. I have nothing about her necessarily is like exciting. Like she's just going about her life. She's, like, uh, she's phenomenal though i mean if you've ever watched that documentary on netflix oh, yeah. look for that phenomenal oh diana, my god diana in her own words i believe is what it's called you just would never have known or seen the hurt that woman went through yeah. just how the way she externally portrayed herself and i i give that woman eternal props truly they um this year i don't know if it's in relation to her being on the crown this season or or if it's like i'm not sure what the the cause is but a lot of the design labels in europe are releasing a lot of her old um uh outfit kind of designs and patterns this year and people are going nuts for it for instance the the red the red sweater that has the white sheep everywhere and then she's wearing the one black sheep Right, uh-huh. the one that she wore all the time and made such a statement with, uh, they're releasing that for the first time in like two decades. Well, because she was the black sheep. She she defied so many norms, especially I I don't know. Ever and she was just so beloved by the British people in a way that I don't think at least in modern times another royal has been loved in that way. Um I digress. We totally got off topic, but I, I agree. She's she's a wonder. So, let's, okay, so I'll bring us back. I can hear Danny in my head saying, Stephen, get back on topic. Stephen, they don't care about this. They're here to listen to Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> so getting us back to the British story that we actually care about, not the one that is playing out on Netflix right now. Season four just dropped. Please go watch. It's incredible. Um, how do you if at all, engage with the series currently. Um, I will I will leave the witness a little bit here and say that I did receive the other day a Snapchat of wine, a handsome gentleman, and Harry Potter on the screen. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm curious, yeah, how, how do you engage with Harry Potter now? Okay, so looks like I'm getting personal with all your followers. Basically, my boyfriend... I had only seen one through four of the movies. Whoa, 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 whoa. Steven, Steven, 
Well, uh, we're leaving him, right? No, we're keeping him because he does love it. But he was just like, I didn't have anyone who really got into it. And it just was one of those things that didn't happen for me. But he actively enjoys watching it with me, which is a huge win. Because I, I will say I had been going through a rut kind of recently. I, I, it's not, not that I don't love it. It just, I, I wasn't feeling like, oh, I'm bored tonight. What should I do? I wasn't like my default wasn't Harry Potter anymore for uh, like a couple months. And I was like, okay, that's all right. I mean, you go through phases, whatever. And he was like, oh, I really want to. So we have like a list of all the things that we want to do. And like, you know, when you first start talking to somebody, there's so many different exciting things going on and moving parts. And so we were like, we just got to, we have to literally make a list of things that we want to do. And top of the list was to watch Harry Potter. So for his birthday, I set up a whole little movie theater in our my basement. And there I had like a mini projector. And then that's where the wine came in play, where Steven is talking about and snacks and, you know, whatnot. But we watched the first one and I mean, there's just something about the Sorcerer's Stone that is just so like youthful and refreshing in obviously a very dark way, but it's, it also kind of touches on all the holidays and the seasons that are coming up, which is always nice. Cause you can, you can make it a Halloween movie and you can make it a Christmas movie. And perfect excuse to watch it <laughs> from September all the way through till January. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I guess like more recently I'm getting into it again, kind of with like a childlike spirit of watching it again for the first time, because I have someone with me who's kind of watching it for the first time in a totally new light. So I'm like, Oh, well let's chat about it afterward. And you can tell me all of your thoughts and then we'll go back and forth and I'll get really excited about little things that you pick up and, you know, tell you to look for other things. And it's definitely brought a new sort of fun life back into the series for me. Uh, and this is all very recent, <laughs> so we're we're probably going to watch the second one this week, weekend rather. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of getting the whole excited childlike feeling back again, which is one of the things I love about the series. I mean, I can be kind of like age kind of doesn't really play into the series at all. And I can feel like I can be a full grown adult and still kind of feel like a little kid. And I think that's a lot of the thing that keeps, you know, fans coming back to it because there's just like a childlike wonder that they are able to encapsulate so well in such an adult context that I think is one of the driving factors as to why it is such a successful enterprise. Yeah. So I guess a couple of things I would say to that is first, look, I, I haven't felt the urge or like the the drive to to sit down and watch the movies or read the books recently either. Um, you know, I guess the books because like at the end of a long workday, I don't really have like the mental capacity to sit down and like ingest, <laughs> my eyeballs can't you know, like not about that. <laughs> um, and the movie just I've seen them so many times at this point, like I can do them verbatim. Uh, but for me, like this podcast and just like engaging with my Harry Potter friends across Instagram, like that's been like my way of getting my Potter dose, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the second thing I would say is, don't know if you did this intentionally or not, but you started out this podcast by talking about how one of your favorite family traditions growing up was eating snacks and watching Harry Potter together as a family. 
And you brought the boyfriend in on the fun uh, by doing that now as an adult, which is just super sweet. Um, you mentioned <laughs> earlier in your answer that, you know, that feeling that people have when they have a new partner and they're excited to do all these things. I don't know what that's like. So it sounds great. <laughs> sounds awesome. Um, you know, happy to hear that it's working for you. I don't really know the first thing about that. Um, and the last thing I will say is uh, recently... Um, so now, as the listeners know, I'm finally up in Connecticut. Um, one of my best friends in the world, uh, Sam Clement, lives here with her fiance, Sarah. And so Sam, Sarah, and their dog, Cashew, have been coming over for dinner every Friday. And we've been watching Harry Potter because Sarah has never seen it. I'm um, so jealous. And it's been great. And it's funny is, like, I'll go and I'll be cooking in the kitchen. They'll be in the living room watching. Like, Stephen, don't you want to come watch? I'm like, look, I've seen him so many times. Like, you watch it. We're good. Are you sure? And like without fail, I'll shout the line that they're watching on screen from the kitchen. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> um, so Aaron, the last question that I can think of for you, and I really do appreciate you coming on um, on a weeknight and, and podcasting with me. This is this is so fun for me. It really, it good really same. is. I have, you were one of few people I could geek out about Harry Potter with. So I'm fully happily taking the opportunity. <laughs> um, so the last question I guess I have, and I don't mean for this to sound selfish. It's not, a, it's not meant to be an egotistical selfish question. Okay. But what's funny for me is I have tons of Harry Potter friends, as I call them, like people who I know through the Harry Potter community. I love them for many reasons beyond just Harry Potter, but I know them because of this. Then I have friends like you or like even Maria or Zach and Maddie, people who, who I know through regular life, but who also happen to love Harry Potter. Yes. So I'm curious, how do you, I don't know how to phrase this the right way necessarily. Um, I hope you get what I'm trying to ask. Is like, how do you see me and Harry Potter, like from like your perspective? Does that make any sense as a question? No, yeah, it does. I mean... I just have to kind of think about it. It's not something I ever really thought entirely about. You mean you don't think about me just at random intervals? Okay, well that's <laughs> I don't defensive. I don't think about, I don't think about your love for Harry Potter in random intervals. <laughs> well, I, well, so uh, but that 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 that's actually an interesting start of an answer to me because. I mean, I when I think of you, I do think of Harry Potter. Like when I'm when I watch or like and something Harry Potter comes up, I'm like, oh, Stephen would love that. And in that sense, I do. But I mean, I think you've kind of taken the series and made something from it of your own, which I think is really unique and cool and neat and not something that like I can relate to personally, just because obviously I don't have an awesome, two awesome podcasts and an Instagram page. And I also not, I never really got into like the Comic-Con cosplay type scene so I think that's just it's more of a I don't know I guess I like when I think of it I think of it in the sense of like that's a community that you're a part of like the comic-con type speed of fandom for something I mean and that exists like in a ton of different things my cousin is in the Lord of the Rings like that's his like that comic-con he and he dresses up he and his friends do the whole thing uh and I, I don't know, that's just kind of, it's also something that I've like been exposed to around for a while. So I didn't really think 
too much about it in the sense that my cousin's been doing it for years. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> Stephen does it too. Cool. That's, you know, that's Stephen's thing. And I also think, I, I don't know, I, I love when people go for their passions and, you know, explore them in different and unique ways. And like, and I think that's what you're doing. And it's just not something that I do because it's not, I have other activities and hobbies and things that I pursue in my personal time. And I think it's awesome that you do what you do, but I also think it's just not for me, you know? I will say, and this is not peer pressure, but it's also very specifically not, not peer pressure. Um, is I am, I, I'm pretty sure I've got Sam and Sarah, Sam, cause I think she'd be interested Sarah because, well, I think she would just be bemused by how weird Sam and I are. <laughs> coming to LeakyCon next year if LeakyCon Dude, happens. I would so go. I would yes. so go. So look, I've got it's, Sam and Sarah. I want to experience it. I, I will say I'm, I probably won't go again. Or I don't know, maybe I'll fall in love with it and surprise myself, but I'm 100% there. Look, I've got Sam and Sarah committed. Um, I, I believe I have to check back with Zach and Maddie, but I feel like they were intrigued. I, I don't, it was like kind of a lukewarm, tepid thing as I recall. Um, who else? I'm going to work on Maria. Maria is also going to be the next GMDP guest because Maria is low-key a Harry Potter nerd like through and through. Really? Yeah. You know, uh, I wish, I need, I think this has inspired me to kind of sit down and think a little more philosophically about it in the sense that, I, I mean, disclaimer for everyone who's listening, this was entirely off the cuff on my end. I didn't plan any of this. So maybe I'll have to come back when I, you know, sit down and have a chat with myself about how I feel about certain things or I don't know just be a little more analytical you got to put that Ivy League education to use gotta do something with it right um no so to close doing is working with you well you know that's that's not really (laughs) a good use of your degree let me say um so to close the episode one of the things that we do here Aaron and I I'm not asking you to do this because you're not in the, the space I wouldn't expect you to, but Danny and I like to end by giving a creator shout out. So anyone that we find on Instagram who is just posting cool content that we appreciate for whatever reason. And so the creator I have for this episode is the delightful witch. Her name is Jasmine. She's a Hufflepuff, a Taurus, a Trekkie, and like yours truly, an INFJ. Anywho, that's all to say, like, Jasmine's had some cool photos here recently. So uh, recently being we're recording this right before Thanksgiving, um, she has a cool chocolate frog card that uh, is through the Emporium of Magic, um, where she's dressed as a Beaubaton. She has a, the photo that caught me is this photo in front of um, all the different candies at, is that at Honeydukes, I believe, in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Um, Have you been there? you, You haven't been there? Oh, I have been there. I'm just oh, you have been there. Okay. Oh, of course I've been there. Um, I'm also working on Sam and Sarah for a trip down there. We should work on that. Anywho, anywho, <laughs> anywho, anywho. I can be like a 10th wheel for all these people and their significant others, and then I'll just be the tour guide. <laughs> um, oh, that's actually not a bad business idea. Okay. Then we're going to file that one. Anywho, that's all to say that Jasmine, the, the delightful witch on Instagram, uh, she also has a small shop, uh, Emporium of Magic, where she sells products frankly i haven't looked at it sorry jasmine Uh, but i love your photos your photos are great so shouts to you 
Anywho, Aaron, that's all we got. So um, really, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This was a ton of fun for me. It was a ton of fun for me too. I loved it.